Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It's a rich word, meaning much more than what we think of when we hear the term peace. But it's a word that means everything the way God wants it to be. God intends for it to be. When you think of peace, when you think of shalom, you should think of all of humanity, all of, of the people of the world living in harmony with God, with each other, with the animals, with all creation. That's shalom. That's peace. Oh, how we need peace in our world. We know life is hard and stressful and full of toil. These days, stress levels are higher, relationships are strained, a new variant is identified, anxiety rises, and beyond personal trials, violence still pervades our world. There was the horrific violence at a Michigan school this week, and we know that many areas of our world still suffer from ongoing conflicts, violence, war, and oppression. So if you're anything like me, you might cry out like Lamech does in Genesis 5. This one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Now Lamech's words, these are a proclamation of what is to come. But you can also hear in his proclamation a cry, a cry for relief. Labor was agonizing because the ground was cursed. Now, this allusion to the curse reminds us of what we talked about last week when we were in Genesis 3 and the the world was cursed. And perhaps Lamech is hoping here that the seed of the woman who would strike the serpent's head might actually come through him and his line. So that was last week, and today we're continuing that. We're continuing our sermon series, Jesus Foreshadowed, Seeing the Messiah in Genesis. And today we're looking at the story of Noah and the flood, and perhaps you think, that's not really a Christmas story. Well, you would be right, but it's actually a great Advent story. It's a great Advent story because we encounter a world deeply in need of peace and salvation. For Lamech, life was hard. Labor was agonizing and toilsome. No modern conveniences like today. And since the fall, sin has spread like a virus. Cain killed his brother Abel. And then Cain's descendant, Lamech, no, not that Lamech, a different Lamech, he boasts of killing somebody. In Genesis 4, he says, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. In other words, this is the escalation of violence. You injure me, I'll kill you. You try to kill someone in my family, I'll kill your whole family. Now I'm sorry for the graphic imagery, but that is the evil in the human heart that is pervading the world in the time before the flood. And so Noah's father, the other Lamech, he cries out for relief. But unfortunately, things just get worse before they get better. And so in Genesis 6, in verse 5, if you'd like to follow along, I'll be there today. 
Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. This is an incredible turn of events. We have come a long way from just a few chapters ago. God is looking at all of his creation, right? And he looks around and says, oh, this is good. This is very good. And now the creator is looking around and saying, this is very bad. This is very bad. And notice the totality of the evil God sees. Every inclination is only evil all the time. Every, only, all. Wow. We've fallen a long way from Genesis 1 and 2. Well, why does the Lord consider the world so evil? Well, Genesis 6 helps us. If you jump down to verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the, earth, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Or in Hebrew, you might read, they had destroyed their ways. They had destroyed themselves. And so God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. So friends, the main evil that God is dealing with in the flood is the issue of violence. The opposite of peace. The opposite of God's shalom. And it has spread like a pandemic. Because violence always begets more violence. It doesn't solve the problem of peace. So murder and wars and weapons and hatred, these are becoming widespread in the earth. God's peace, God's shalom has been totally disrupted. So what is God going to do? Well, let me give you my sermon in a sentence this morning. Through his righteous judgment, and gracious salvation, God will bring relief from the curse and usher in his peaceful new creation. Through his righteous judgment and gracious salvation, God will bring relief from the curse and usher in his peaceful new creation. So let's break that down. Let's take the first part of this. Number one, God's going to bring peace. God will bring peace through his righteous judgment. God totally sees a world out of control, a world that is caught in a cycle of violence spreading like a wildfire. You see, at some point in every story, the dark side must be destroyed. Voldemort must go down. All right? That's what has to happen. And sadly, nearly all of humanity has gone to the dark side. They have listened to the serpent. And God decides it's time to put an end to this. It's time for judgment. They have destroyed God's good world and now God is going to destroy them. He's going to put an end to this vicious cycle of violence and sin. And so Noah and the ark, this is not a nice children's story. It's actually, I think, one of the most terrifying stories in the whole Bible. God is destroying everybody except for Noah and his family. It's intense, right? And perhaps, for like me, this idea of God doing this, God judging the whole world, it might be troubling to you. And if you feel that way, you're actually in good company. 
Because surprisingly, this was also deeply troubling to God. In Genesis 6, 6, it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Or you could say deeply grieved or maybe heartbroken. The idea is that God's heart is filled with pain, with intense pain. Can you believe that the creator God has capacity to feel that? Intense heartbrokenness over the world. His children, his, cre- his creatures, his beautiful creation project, it's essentially destroyed by sin and evil. The serpent has won a great victory. But the Bible teaches God is loving, God is compassionate. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He would much rather have his creation turn to him and live. And precisely because God loves his creation, he is utterly dismayed at the way things have turned out. And so when we too, when we look around the world, when we read the news, when we feel all the brokenness, when we see the violence, when we see all these things going on and we feel a sense of grief, we feel a sense of hopelessness, we feel a sense of pain, we're feeling how God feels. It's a sign that we're maybe on the right track. And despite all of creation joining the dark side, God is not willing to totally give up on creation. God is going to judge the evil so that creation can begin again. Because I think, friends, it's naive to think that we can have peace with no accountability. If evildoers get away with everything, then I believe we are living in a world that's way more frightening than the flood. If, if there is no justice, if there is no accountability, if there is no judgment for all of the evil that happens in our world, then God help us all. There will never be shalom. There will never be peace. It won't be possible. In fact, I contend it's, it's because that we believe God will one day judge and take care of evil that we are now able to live in peace right now. Because if I know one day God is going to make all things right, no matter how evil it looks, no matter how badly I have been treated, God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of it. So therefore, I don't have to get even. Therefore, I don't have to take revenge. Therefore, I don't have to lash out. Therefore, I don't have to continue the cycle of violence because God is going to judge everybody, including me, And he's going to forgive and offer forgiveness to us all. And so it's actually God's righteous judgment that is breaking the cycle of sin, violence, and oppression and allowing us to live in peace with others. So in the flood, God destroys those who are destroying his good creation, but so that a new era of peace could emerge. So that brings me to number two. Number two, God will bring peace through his gracious salvation. Now, for a moment in the story, it seems as if the serpent has won. Creation is, told, is basically destroyed, and now God is about to destroy the whole thing. But then we get God's gracious word found in chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Or you could translate that, Noah found grace. 
Or as one biblical commentator puts it, grace found Noah. Now it does say in verse 9 that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So why does God choose Noah? Well, he does honor Noah's faithfulness, his blamelessness, his walking before him, but Noah was also not sinless. See, God's looking at the whole human race. Noah was not exempt, though he was a righteous man. So God's choice of Noah is still ultimately by grace, by grace. And even though God is judging the world by his grace, he is saving a remnant. He is continuing his creation project. He will not give up on his desire for shalom with all people. And And through Noah, God is going to continue the line of the seed of the woman who will come, who a descendant from this line will come and strike the serpent's head. And if you look at the story, you can notice how everything around the ark is judgment and destruction. And the language that's used in this story reminds us of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. But it's like everything is happening in reverse this time. Right? Remember when God creates the world, the, the, he separates the waters from, and the land emerges and, and there's the, the, the vault in the sky. Now all those things are being reversed. The water is covering the land. The, the, the gates of the deep are opened and the water from the sky is falling. And what's happening is uncreation. It's being destroyed. And I can only imagine being in the ark must have been absolutely terrifying. Have you ever been in a really powerful thunderstorm? It can be quite scary. Now, this is the most intense storm probably ever known to man, and you're seeing it through the windows of the ark. You're in a boat, and it's lasting for 40 days and 40 nights. It must have been terrifying, and I'm, I'm, they must have thought, are we really going to make it? Is this boat really going to hold us through the storm? But in the midst of God's judgment on evil, in chapter 8 of this story, verse 1, it says, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. God remembers him. Not that God was forgetful of him, but he was mindful of Noah and remembered his promise to Noah. And then it says, the wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God that was hovering over the waters, now it's receding, causing the waters to recede once again. God is restoring creation. And so from beginning to end, friends, it's not Noah who is the main character of the story, but God. God sets his favor upon Noah, his grace upon Noah. He seeks out Noah and speaks to him. He warns him about the judgment that is coming on the earth. He tells him precisely how he can be rescued himself and his family. He tells him he is going to establish a covenant with him and he's going to be committed to him. And then God gives them provision of food for the journey in the ark. And God, you know what? He even shuts the door for him. He shuts the door. He wants them safe inside for the journey on the ark. It's God's grace that is saving Noah and his family. And God, by his grace, is restoring creation. As, and as he does so, he blesses Noah again. He blesses his family. Be fruitful and multiply, just like he did Adam and Eve. So you can see how God is graciously restoring things, beginning a restoration project. And this brings me to point number three. 
God will bring relief from the curse and usher in his peaceful new creation. This whole story is a movement back from Genesis 1, from creation to uncreation to recreation. And Noah is in many ways a new Adam, a new start for humanity. The world has been given relief from the cycle of violence produced by sin and the curse. And God makes a covenant with humankind. Because after Noah and his family, after they walk out out of the ark, they are entering in basically a new world. It's a new creation. And then Noah builds an altar and he offers a sacrifice to the Lord. And it says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures. I think the key phrase right there is even though. Even though I know human beings will be evil, I am going to be gracious. Under this covenant, God says he will not bring the type of judgment he's just given. So he sets the rainbow in the sky as a sign of peace between God and humanity. Now, did you know the Hebrew word for rainbow is bow? <laughs> like bow and arrow, okay? So in the ancient Near East, what happens in the heavens come from God or the gods. So the flood was like God is his shooting his rain down at the earth. And so God is putting this bow in the sky. It's like he's saying, the battle's over. This battle is over. God defeated evil at the battle of the flood. But now he's declaring an era of peace for humanity. He's hung up his bow. And furthermore, you might consider that the bow is not pointed down at us. Right? You think about a bow and arrow. Where's the string? It's going towards heaven, where God is. And so one scholar suggests that this, it's almost as if God is saying, if I break this covenant, may I die. That is how committed God is to this era of peace. He will never judge evil in that way again. And God says this even though every inclination of the heart is evil. So God knows that the flood was only a temporary relief from the cycle of violence and sin. It was a temporary judgment. It was one battle against the serpent. And human sin was not drowned in the flood. So the question remains, now that God says he's not going to judge the world in that way again, how is he going to defeat evil? How are sinful humans going to be reconciled to him? How is the serpent going to be defeated? See, Noah, he only partially fulfilled his father Lamech's wish. Oh, that a son would come. This son would come to bring relief. So we have to ask, is there going to be somebody else? Is there going to be somebody else because the problem wasn't fully dealt with? Is there going to be another son who will come and finally bring relief from the curse of sin and death? So here's where we get the foreshadow. The foreshadow of Jesus. Sin is still affecting God's good world, but in Advent, we celebrate the hope that God does not come to us with the flood, but with the cross. And this time around, friends, the flood did not come on us, but it came on Jesus. It came on Jesus. The arrow of God's judgment, it did 
come on God. It did shoot heavenward. Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Or as Paul says in Romans 5, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, God has at the same time taken the punishment for our sin and graciously saved us. And just like the rainbow, a sign of warfare and violence that was transformed into a symbol of peace, God has taken the violence and the sin of the world, he's taken that vicious cycle and he took it upon himself on the cross. And now he has transformed the symbol of the ultimate violence into the most powerful symbol of peace and love for our world. The flood of our punishment came on Jesus Christ and he made us right with God. And he also, in a way, built an ark for us to be graciously saved in. When we come into Christ Jesus, when we come into his body, we are saved now and for all eternity. Jesus is the ultimate son who brings relief. Did he not say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I will give you relief. So come out of the storms of this world and into the safe, warm ark of Christ. And he will carry you into the new creation where all evil will be overcome and every wrong will be righted and we will be with God forever and ever in perfect shalom. Friends, that's what we anticipate in Advent. That's what we look forward to, the second coming of Jesus, when he will judge the living and the dead and make all things right. And just like Noah, Jesus will be the head start, the head of a new creation. And just as God did for Noah, God has graciously warned us now that it's coming, that this is where this world is headed. And so Jesus himself, he even made this analogy. It's amazing. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, Now considering that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah's were, so the coming of the Son of Man man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. The end will come, unannounced, unexpectedly, just like the flood did. God has to judge evil, and yet though we are evil, though we contribute to the cycle of sin and violence, God offers us rescue and relief. He has provided all that we need for salvation. And so the message of peace is this, through his righteous judgment and his gracious salvation, God will bring relief from the curse and usher in his peaceful new creation. So now what? What do we do? Friends, get into the ark of Christ. Come into Christ Jesus. Be saved from the coming judgment and find rest for your souls along the way. And until Jesus comes, conduct yourselves like Noah did. He was obedient to all that God commanded. He was righteous, blameless. He walked faithfully, with his God. And he did this even though 
No one else did. And friends, finally, I want to conclude by quoting somewhat at length from 2 Peter. I just want you to hear the Apostle Peter's words and how it ties into everything I've been saying. Peter says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him.